One of the things that they do on Dancing with the Stars is that every week is like themed. And one of the weeks is my most memorable year. <laughs> and when it came down to Nancy Kerrigan, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is she going to talk about? But her most memorable year was when she had like her third child because between like her second and third child. Nobody believes her. <laughs> anyway, continue. Break a leg. <laughs> or a knee. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. I told myself I was going to skate a very thin line tonight on all the stupid jokes I would make. Very good. Fozzie Bear over here. I too. live for this them. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm done, though. Seriously. I'm just going to chill over here. <laughs> Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the Tanya Hardy movie, which is called I, Tanya, starring Margot Ruby. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome in to episode 141 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with my usual co-host, Nick Cheney. Hey, what's up? Okay. Toussaint Egan, again, not with us. You didn't answer me. <laughs> I asked you, what's up? What was I supposed to say? You were supposed to tell me what is up. We're on this episode. That's what's up. Okay. You know what? I see you're going to play hardball tonight. <laughs> Can't wait. Really sets the tone for the movie. Sure does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's right. okay. Anyway, continue. Break a leg. <laughs> or a knee. Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. I told myself I was going to skate a very thin line tonight on all the stupid jokes I would make. Very good. Fozzie Bear over here. I live too. for this them. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm done, though. Seriously. I'm just going to chill over here. <laughs> What? That wasn't one. Sure. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. And I'm, it's sorry. Like... I'm sorry. It's just so hardy. <laughs> and it's like a little kid over here. That's like so many. That, that was one. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was. I love puns. You brought the wrong oh, no. person on. That's you right. said you were the wrong. You said the wrong thing right there. Yeah. I love puns. Nick's like No, I do. <laughs> so, again, obviously, Tucson, you not here, but. Anna Bodizadu, join us again. Hello. Thank you Woo-hoo. for welcoping me back. Oh, no. we No, thank you. Very happy that you're here. I hate having to just be with me and Nick, so <laughs> it's I nice love to change it. it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, thanks, bud. That was a lie. Oh, okay. uh, forgive me. I'm just a little bit still kind of sick, so if my laughs ever turn to coughs, that's why. It's not because I'm just constantly on the verge of death. It'll make for great podcasting. I would say so. Don't so. Worry, yeah. Don't worry about it. Cool. It'll be great going back and having to edit out 40 coughs. So that'd yep. be fabulous. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm going to leave most of them in, so okay. it's fine. So the movie we are talking about today, doesn't bother us, just our listeners. That's all right. Sorry, everybody. The movie we are talking about is I, Tanya, which uh, came out late in 2017 uh, and stars Margot Robbie and all cast of other people, including uh, Sebastian Stan and Alice and Jenny. Uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. First, though, 
uh, our friend Anna just brought up that we haven't done a weekend review, uh, or we've been doing them sporadically. Yeah, okay. um, it's been a while. It seems like you're you're a fan of the weekend review. I am. Ooh. Yeah. So that being said, do you want to start? Sure. A weekend review on this very episode. Absolutely. Sweet. Yes. Thank you for. Um, bestowing this on to me so it's an honor so thank you um so i might break the rules a little bit here oh boy if you start talking about itania like you're going to be called to sound forever <laughs> so. so i saw itania this week <laughs> so i don't know if television can be mentioned oh yes, it can it definitely can Perfect. otherwise i wouldn't be here <laughs> <laughs> very cool so um i recently started watching mr robot so i watched yeah. all of the first season and i'm almost done with the second season and i have to say i'm very glad this tv show exists in a post breaking bad world yeah because i'm obsessed and i love it so i don't want to like i know i'm behind so i don't want any spoilers and i don't want to spoil it for anybody else but i love this show i love everything about this show um and i think it's great and it's very interesting to watch now considering who our president is so yeah yeah and a great uh comeback from uh christian slater oh totally yeah he totally won the uh golden globe for the the first season i believe i think so and i think it was much deserved especially since in the second season i feel like he's not really in it that much right. um but yeah i think he's really good and i think rami malik is the lead does a great job he's mm-hmm. Gonna be in the film playing the guy from Freddy, yeah, Freddy, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Mercury, or Freddy Krueger. He's yeah. also playing Freddy Krueger in a Nightmare at the one. Opera. Oh. <laughs> that was one of my better jokes. A uh, Nightmare at the Opera. Come on, yeah. oh my god, Queen's classic a- album, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Put them both together. Oh man, that's comedy. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, but. <laughs> That was the other name for uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, though, too, so that's great. Mm. Yes. That would have been a better name. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? No, the Nightmare at the Opera. Oh, I got Because he gets shot in the bed. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's not cool when I John Wilkes Booth. (laughs) Yes. I get it. Do you? No. Please continue. This is but going yes. nowhere. So, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> just like, okay, so have you guys watched the show and how far are you in it? I have watched the show. I'm not as far as you. Okay. Um, but I know the whole conceit uh, as far as Elliot is without spoiling, spoiling, right. you know, yeah. but basically Elliot played by Rami Malik is mm-hmm. getting sucked into a uh, underground, what do you want to call it? Hacker society. Yeah, hacker group. Yeah. Who are trying to unravel the fabric of our... Uh, in in a punk slash freedom yeah. fight him fight yeah. So way, the but, the yeah. thing that he gets pitched by Christian Slater is like, what if you hack the government and erase all the debt that everyone owes? Yeah. So that's like, I'm pretty sure that's explained in like the first couple episodes. Yeah, it's very much like the Project Mayhem, but without violent. Like they're not trying yeah. to actually kill people; they're just trying to start their own. Everything uh, goes to zero, yeah. so everything's fucked. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was reading about this show the creator of the show sam esmail he pretty much is inspired by 
all of the things that I love. So like Fight Club, American Psycho, especially when it comes to that character Tyrell, a lot of those attributes are very much, they have an American Psycho vibe. And then also Breaking Bad. So that's just a couple of the things that I remember. And I feel like that's really shown in the show. And I think that's why I love it so much. We should do an episode yeah. on American Psycho. Someday. Oh my God. Yes. I love that movie. And I love the book. Did you guys read the book? I'm not. <sighs> you guys. I don't read books. I'm a librarian. I know. What a bummer. <laughs> But I have the book, if either of you are interested in borrowing it, because the book is crazy. We, can we do an episode, please? <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen that movie since I was, like, 14. So it's we should do an episode It's worth re-watching. It. Re- so we on, should do an episode on it. And on then... that and the sequel with Myla Kunis, where she plays the babysitter, <sighs> psycho killer. Yeah, and she has the, the hacksaw instead yeah. of a, a butcher knife. <laughs> oh, that's my kind of movie. But maybe you could... Like talk about the differences between the book because I honestly am not going to read it. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. So just a little bit. So oh no, I meant on the episode. Okay, but to give you an idea, oh, yeah. Sorry. To she give you to an idea, I'm just, gonna, that... I'm just gonna shut up here. It's okay. Corner. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's great because that's her microphone. The oh, shit. So I tried to. Do. That would have been perfect. <laughs> Continue, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. The movie is really sparsed down and cut down compared to the book because the book is extremely dense. So for the movie, they picked like the most significant parts and threw that in the movie. But if you go from the movie to the book, you're really in for a treat. So I think that's why I like both of them so much. So I'd have to give the book a try. Yeah, it would, you know, now that the landscape of media is changing so much, it would be interesting if someone like pitched that, it into a TV show because you could yeah. make an entire TV show about Patrick Bateman if you wanted to. Sure. So, yeah. So that's that was my week in review. I've been kind of watching Mr. Robot every day. So, cool. Yeah. Me? Okay. So, I'll bring up a couple movies I've actually been watching quite a bit recently, which is 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 really um great because i always want to watch more uh films so this is a great time of year for that since it's yeah. fucking freezing outside yeah. <laughs> at so, least where we are i mean i don't know about everybody oh, else yeah some people who uh, it actually has been really cold in a lot of places because i know uh my coworker went to florida a couple weeks so he said it was like in the 30s when he was there yeah so. my coworker actually went to florida too and she said it was kind of cold when you were okay. there it was a little yeah. disappointing yeah. my coworker went to florida <laughs> mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on here Great question. Nobody yeah. goes to Florida. <laughs> so the two films I'm going to bring up, uh, the second one I'll talk about with Nick a little bit. The first one I'll just mention by myself, and that is uh, the first Captain America film, uh, which I rewatched with Emily not too long ago. And that is just a fantastic superhero movie. Um, and I actually have come around. I actually think all three of the Captain America films are really good. No, uh, I, I agree. And I, I didn't yeah. love The Winter Soldier. I actually didn't even really like it when I first saw it, but mm-hmm. I've come around. But I've always loved the first one. Oh, yeah. Um, the storytelling, uh, the feel of it, it feels a little bit like an Indiana Jones movie throughout, uh, which has to do with the time period and the and the production design, but also, too, just the way like the villain um, played by Hugo Weaving the way he looks and the way he has that mask on, but he's obviously not wearing a mask for most of the movie, but the way he kind of pulls his face around at times. So you see the red behind it and then he takes it off and he's got the, the skull with the red and it's just awesome. Um, and, and just that that movie feels so authentic when you compare it to newer Marvel films, because it's in a different 
time uh and it was when marvel wasn't what it is today so they were just trying to tell one very simple story maybe including some stuff with bucky sebastian stan Mm -hmm. uh in that film but uh it's such a a treat to watch a movie that has pretty much one plot going throughout it uh and has a lot of great uh, performances by supporting characters throughout it. Uh, Stanley Tucci, obviously Haley Atwell playing Agent Carter, which she ended up getting her own show that got prematurely canceled. Um, and even like Tommy Lee Jones, who's in it, uh, is fantastic and playing a very good Tommy Lee Jones character. Um, and one of the last good comic book villains in the Red Skull, played by Hugo Weaving. Uh, it's been a huge struggle for Marvel and other superhero entities so i don't i just uh every time i go back and watch it i just always love the first avenger so big fan the second film uh that me and nick saw in the theater together finally was uh that new jumanji film (laughs) oh what did you guys think of that i thought it was pretty stupid (laughs) it certainly looked like it i hate to break it to you well and i wasn't expecting much so um it's not like i was like ugh. Uh, because I thought it was going to be shit. The funny <laughs> thing is, is out of everybody in that movie, I dislike Kevin Hart so much and also Jack Black. And I thought they were the best part of the movie, which oh. maybe doesn't say much for the rest of the film. <laughs> um, but that being said, it definitely had a couple of great comedic moments uh, and had some other okay parts to it. But for the most part, it wasn't very good. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I thought it was... Uh... Right down the middle, like to, for me at least, it was better than some of the recent, I don't know, action comedy blockbusters. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that its jokes were well paced, whether they landed or not was hit or miss. But it didn't feel like a barrage of trying to get you to find it funny. Over, I mean, it's a comedy, but yeah. um, I thought the drama was just earnest enough that I enjoyed watching it from start to finish. I never need to see it ever again, but I didn't feel like I wasted my time. Yeah, I thought the, um, I thought the the biggest problem for me uh, throughout the and it's a stupid film, so it doesn't need to be you know perfect or anything like that. But at the same time, um, I really thought that they had nothing else other than these are teenagers in other people's bodies yeah. because they just went back to that well in pretty much every single joke that was said during the whole movie. And it yeah. got pretty old and repetitive by the end. Yeah. I, like, can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because Jack Black's character is a female who gets turned into his body. And I'm pretty sure there were five different references to being like, oh, my God, I have a penis. And it's like, yeah. uh <laughs> which, was, which, which was okay the Didn't first make time. sense because <laughs> they had pretty much implied that that character, even if she didn't have a penis, has been around a few penises. <laughs> So her shock and bewilderment wasn't quite convincing in this viewer's eyes. Oh, Nick. <laughs> slut shaming. Nice. I wasn't slut shaming. I'm saying I'm surprised that she's surprised. Okay. She knows how it functions. My God. Embrace it. She, she should see I, it and be like, oh, I know what to do. <laughs> I've done this before. She's never used the. That's fine. Oh, why are man. we Why are we going here? There was one funny line, though. You're with it, she's though. never been peed on? <laughs> <laughs> there was one funny line, though. Just went, put, no, put, that, put that line in the intro, but nothing it. else. Just, yep. You're saying she's never been peed on. 
and I'm sure that'll be our most listened to episode ever. <laughs> um, there is one moment when she says, "Oh, it's like a handle," and I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. Was oh my yeah. gosh! But for the most Once part, again, it was pretty dumb. She knew that. <laughs> All right, man, you got it. Uh, yeah, go dude? for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is like a handle. Oh, sure. <laughs> I am going to do a special edition. Alex, drop a sound effect. Okay, sweet. Uh, my Week in Review, which is going to be an advertisement for uh, Shudder, the horror streaming service, which I... Um, man, I really got to be careful how I say the horror streaming service. That's such a difficult Good word. Good point. Um, yeah, you had, well, watch your diction, Al. Uh, I'm watching my diction. Diction, yeah. <laughs> what Although, were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, you. I think you probably missed it, but Nick did have the couple episodes when he talked about how he's been watching hardcore pornography for its... Um, Wait, what? It's, last year, you said you were into watching uh, pornographic films. Oh, to, yeah. For, um, because... Uh, not necessarily just because of vinegar syndrome, yeah, but because much. of, but because of, um, what's the term? I'm sorry, I'm I'm totally whiffing at it. What are you talking about? Like like uh, the nudie cuties? Is that what? Well, you they're mean? nudie cuties. Nudie cuties. Sexploitation. Sexploitation. Yeah. Is what I, was oh. looking for. I mean, it's yeah. all part okay. of the same whatever. And mm-hmm. just to reiterate, I'm watching it out of historical curiosity. <laughs> no, but you're 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 watching. Movies like they would be making in Boogie Nights, not correct. Like, I'm yeah. watching things that were shot on celluloid, which most people refer to as the golden era of mm. pornography, in which directors who directed that were actually given budgets because people were going to see them. So then they were trying to be auteurs with them, which I find fascinating personally. Mm. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> back to moving on. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, Shutter the. Uh, the horror uh, streaming service. <laughs> now, what was funny about that? Um, which is extremely cheap. It's four ninety nine a month. That's so. If you good. are a horror, fan, <laughs> I can't not do that now. Um, but if you are a fan of the genre, um, you will get a lot of mileage out of the streaming service. It honestly, in you my bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah. it's a scream, baby. What? Wait, why? Why did you say bang? It's not a porn service. <laughs> Just okay. Continue. So, um, like honestly, for me though, the hit ratio, like obviously, it doesn't have like as many titles as like a Netflix or something like that. But the hit ratio of how many things are on there that you would actually want to watch if you're into that genre is insane. Like when I went, when I subscribed to it, and I made my, you know, in this app it's called a list like your queue i was surprised by how many i put on there in my first pass of just scrolling through. i mean i had upward of 30 to 40 films so that's really good it is and so now do they have a lot of mainstream titles or not really so it's clear that there are rights issues so to speak so like you're not going to find a lot of like Freddy Krueger, Halloween. If you do, you're usually finding some of the shitty sequels. So, like, a Jason Takes Manhattan would probably show up on there. Oh, that's my favorite one. I know, right? <laughs> but, like, the original Friday the 13th or the original Nightmare on Elm Street are not popping up. Now, that's not to say that they don't get them, because there are 
I can't remember what they are now, but there were a few things where I was like, oh, wow, they have this. Or, like, they had The Wicker Man, which was a very... The original? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, a few horror classics that everybody mm-hmm. knows and whatnot. But um, I was using it, um, and in my first week, I watched four movies alone, which for me, like, as far as using streaming services, that's quite a few. So I'm going to really quickly run down what I watched, which was... Here we go. Okay. I watched a movie called Body. And it was a 2015 film about three gals who on Christmas Eve, which is why I watched it, because I was looking for a Christmas horror film, which that shows you how great that service is, is that, like, I specifically wanted a, a Christmas horror film. And if you go to their curated section, they have crazy things like that. Like, Very cool. here are all our Christmas horror films, or here are all the films in which somebody pops out from under a bed. Like, <laughs> this sounds like I'm being Man, specific, it's, it's, but it's actually that kind of hilariously. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like someone had a lot of fun, like, writing those algorithms. Exactly. Like, that, that and, sounds cool. And these are not, like, Netflix, like, oh, you might like, these are, like, actually somebody was doing it, not a robot. Right. Um, so anyway, Body was about three girls on Christmas Eve who leave their house to go to a house that one of them used to babysit for, but she knows that the family's gone because it's a super mansion and they're in Florida or something like that. And while they're there, something goes wrong and one of them is lying about something and the night just gets worse from there. Hmm. And I don't really want to spoil it because it certainly has a plot that is... Uh, you know, a, a bullet train as far as once it kicks off, then there's no stopping it and it can't go back in time. And mm-hmm. um, it's very interesting. It is kind of a horror film in which things aren't necessarily scary, but more dread inducing of choices people make and uh, what's the limit of one's moral compass mm-hmm. and how if context can change the needle on your compass, then does your compass mean anything and so on and so forth. That sounds interesting. And even though I didn't love it, I really want a lot of people to watch it. I definitely liked it. And while I would say it didn't live up to the promise at the beginning, it's definitely, it's only 80 minutes. It's extremely watchable. And I think everybody would get a kick out of it because no one really talks about it. So it's one of the few times when you haven't seen a trailer for it. So you'd actually get a kick out of what's going to happen because you have no idea. Very cool. Um, the other movie I watched was called R.E.C. I, I call it that because I think it's supposed to be pronounced record, but technically it's uh, got the whole bracket thing. Right. It's, that's, um, um, you know what I'm talking about? That's supposedly a like a classic. It is. Because I, that was the film that uh, Quarantine was based off okay, of. Okay, it's so funny that you say that because I didn't realize Quarantine was a remake of it, so to speak. But what's hilarious is that when I saw the poster for it, I've been wanting to see Record for a while, mm. and so I picked it, of course. But the poster literally has the tagline, the movie that inspired Quarantine. <laughs> like, wow, that's a really, really lame tagline. Um, I haven't seen Quarantine, but I loved Record. I, I've heard that it's a much better version of it. Yeah. I would definitely even, watch Quarantine because... I, I, I thought it was enjoyable. For someone who doesn't really like horror movies. You're talking about Quarantine? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I thought it was enjoyable. I yeah. thought Jennifer Carpenter was, was good in it. So. Oh, yeah. Um, would you say that this record movie falls under the same genre as like the VHS movies? Um, or not really? Because no. I love the VHS movies. It, okay, so it is so. found footage. Okay. You know, you're, you're watching something like Cloverfield... <laughs> Or Chronicle in which you're seeing something that somebody recorded. And I will say, in my opinion, it's probably the best example of it made it the whole 80 to 90 minutes without me questioning why they were still filming. They oh. And they do address that, too, halfway through. Very cool. And so I, I was satisfied with the 
why does this exist, where they pretty much say they had to film it because they were quarantined, and if they don't document it, what might happen, then it might get even more fucked up because the police weren't listening to them to begin with. So, you know, it's simple, but it works. Um, but yeah. it's not an anthology, like where VHS, you're, okay. you're jumping from story to story. It's right. one continuous story. Very cool. Um, I only saw it the once, yeah. and this was 10 years ago when it came out, but... I think in quarantine, it's a film crew that ends up in there. Yeah, is that and that's what same? it is here. Okay. It's two people, one in front of the camera who's mm-hmm. an anchor, and then the person. Behind. And that's what Jennifer Carpenter is yeah. playing. In so yes, yeah, I still quarantine. have to see that movie. I remember it being kind of a big deal when it came out, um, uh, and I would like to see it still. Um, it's got. Uh, I love the very final moment of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it walks off into the credits is pretty fucking wonderful. Hmm. Um. The rest of the film has peaks and valleys. Okay. So. Cool. It's it's a pretty standard horror film. Found footage yep. awesome. film. So yeah. I'm a sucker for found footage. You I like will I have, enjoy I have I no say. shame in how much I like found footage. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, the only other one I'll talk about is called uh, I've always wanted to see it, but I never wanted to just buy it outright because I didn't know if I'd like it, and I never found it anywhere. But it's streaming on Shutter, and that's how great that service is. It's called the WNUF Halloween Special. Now, this is what I would call a found TV program genre thing. So essentially what happens is you press play on this wherever you find it, whether you buy it or you stream it, you rent it, whatever, and... As if you just put a VHS into your TV, all of a sudden you're treated to white noise, like there's a blank tape. But then after a little fast forwarding, as if you're doing it, but you're not, um, you land on the WNUF Halloween special, which, quote unquote, aired in the 80s. Now, this thing was made in 2013, but they painstakingly recreated what a new special and the commercials would have looked like back then. Um, and it's this quote unquote completely f- uh, fictitious, but Halloween special put on by this, uh, uh, broadcast network where they were going to go into this house cause they heard it was haunted with a camera crew and this one host and it walks the line very, uh, finely between being like a dry Christopher guest like comedy because nobody is making quote-unquote jokes but sometimes they're making you laugh because of the ridiculous reactions and whatnot Mm -hmm. Um, like the exasperation of the the one host on on the field when he has to actually ask some of the trick-or-treaters who's there with him about what they think about the house and they're giving stupid answers like that's the kind of thing that people might do if they're on the news and whatnot but nobody is like straining for a punchline um, to the actual "quote unquote" chaos that erupts when they actually get in the house, where these very straight-laced people are trying to continue their news story while things are not going the way they plan, to the dead-on commercials that interrupt the broadcast every goddamn three minutes, which uh, some people complained about on Letterbox, but that felt actually authentic because it felt very much like a of the era of Geraldo Rivera, where it's like. All they're doing in this whole program is saying how they're going to go down in the basement of this house, but they don't get to do that until like the last 10 minutes of it, which was exactly 
what Geraldo Rivera did when he was like, I'm going to open up Al Capone's vault or whatever it was. And yeah. he spent the whole hour doing everything but right. until the last minute. And it wasn't because you've got to keep the viewers. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, at least, that, that was part of the joke. But some of the commercials where they are like um, doing commercials for – fake but yet you know you've seen this commercial somewhere uh of like uh pumpkin cutter toys and just all of it. it it was just insanely yeah, this, this now created yeah this sounds like a very like grindhousey type thing is it that, is it's like the that... grindhouse of tv so okay. to speak where they are painstakingly recreating the experience where if you had recorded this way back when and then you found that vhs recording of it and there are times when um they repeat the same commercial, and then the viewer, quote-unquote, fast-forwards it. So there, there's a whole texture to this movie that exists on the top layer in which you are this passive viewer of somebody else's materials, and it, it's really creepy and funny. Very um, cool. Is it in the uh, original television aspect ratio or not? It, that was one thing that I wasn't loving. It's yeah. not in the TV uh, ratio of 16 by 9, but it is not 4 by 3. It's like they're yeah. trying to cut the difference between the two. Okay. And I was a little upset. I got to be honest with you. Um, yeah, not that would uh, seem to be like an easy one. I was pretty so. steamed about it myself. Um, I actually think you would be. I was actually. I was like, God damn it! But it, it kept me interested. And um, uh, yeah, there's a cat in it. So if you like cats, I do. Yeah, there's a cat. I know Nothing like bad happens. better be happening. Oh, well, you might cat. not want to watch it, but um, you might not want to see Shape of Water. <laughs> well, I still need to go see that. Actually, it's a fabulous Aww. film. Yeah, that's what everyone's saying. Uh, a, a cat doesn't do well in it. Though. Yeah, it. Sally. But yeah, Whatever. the WNUF Halloween special is. Even if I didn't find it like hilarious and laugh out loud, uproarious. I was never not smiling because of how ridiculous it was. Hmm. And I will say this, the ending, without spoiling, despite the fact that everything was a farce up until the ending, the ending does at least deliver on the horror aspect, even if only for a moment. So Okay. Yep. Good to know. Well, um, I know we have lots of people who listen uh, that are into horror films. Yeah, so I'm... give Shudder a try. Yeah. Does Kenny have Shudder or not? What? Does Kenny have Shutter? Do you know? I believe not? so. I remember yeah. him one time talking to me about it. Okay. But yeah, and you can get it for seven days uh, for free if you try it. Right Pretty on. cool. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to our review, we are talking about I, Tanya mm-hmm. on this episode. I know The sequel to iRobot. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be something if they had Will Smith out there as the, as the coach. He plays Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, hell no! <laughs> she looked like she stepped in poop. <laughs> Won a silver medal, stepped in poop. Yep. <laughs> so Anna was definitely into seeing this film and then yes. doing an episode on it. And yes. I, I'm excited that finally, after it went through its very limited, very limited uh, release schedule, it's been released wide, and we finally are able to do a episode on it. So yes. this is great. Uh, so if you out there don't know, because I know some people don't, Toussaint, Toussaint. Uh, is not aware of the Tanya Harding incident. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So and he saw sh- the movie. <laughs> so that's, I was going to say, so that's how sheltered he is. Yeah. Huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah. He had never also heard of... No, he like didn't know anything about it. I was going to say National all. Lampoon's Christmas wow. vacation. Well, that's true. But no, like... 
that's like we like didn't tell him anything about it just because he did not know about the the incident with Nancy Kerrigan. So. Oh, that's super interesting, actually. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm actually curious to see because he knows about the OJ. He still stuff. thinks Obama's president. <laughs> I would have voted for him for a third term. <laughs> I did. They kicked me out, <laughs> but that was because I was naked, not because I was exercising my right to vote. So I'm very actu- unlikely you would have been kicked out of a voting booth. You're a white male, so yeah. well, it was a preschool. So, oh my god! Please continue, Anna. Oh. So I am actually that's interesting that Toussaint didn't know anything about this because I'm curious to see where everybody was culturally when this happened because me i was too small to remember it as it was happening but the reason i knew about it was because i like watched a lot of those vh1 pop culture oh, yeah. shows I and love it the talked 90s to... and i love the yes 80s. exactly yeah. and so like in i love the 90s they talked about the tanya harding thing and then of course like they played the clip of nancy being like why so that's how i know about it and then fun fact <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm a huge Dancing with the Stars fan. And seriously, like, I'm not making that up. And about a a year ago, Nancy Kerrigan was actually on Dancing with the Stars. And she didn't do very well. But there was... Still nursing that leg, huh? (laughs) No, it's been like 20 years. Um... She's in the Olympics, like, shortly thereafter, the whole incident. She's that Korean boy from Trump's State of the Union, still holding up her crutch. Oh, my God. So, um, <laughs> we also have Nancy Kerrigan, <laughs> her tremendous spirit from that point on. How can you say I hate illegals? <laughs> oh, you're American. Anyway, continue. So, um, one of the things that they do on dancing with the stars is that every season they have like every, okay. So every week is like themed. And one of the weeks is my most memorable year. <laughs> and when it came down to Nancy Kerrigan, I was like, Oh my God, what the fuck is she going to talk about? But her most memorable year was when she had, like, her third child, because between, like, her second and third child... Nobody believes her. <laughs> between her second and third child, uh, she unfortunately experienced, like, a number of miscarriages. Oh. So it was, like, a really, really big deal for her to, you know... Just, we all thought you were going to talk about Tanya. <laughs> exactly! I bet you the producers are like, please talk Tanya about this. in the green room going... <laughs> walking out it's fucking Maury and, <laughs> but I mean I I might be getting the birth order of her children wrong but either way she didn't talk about the thing everybody wanted her to talk about including me so yeah that's now I'm just much. picturing Nancy Kerrigan on a Maury like show where they bring out <laughs> Tanya and be like she is not the criminal I'm sorry you just hear Wait. the bell ring like on Jerry Springer <laughs> ding ding just... why is there a midget here so I'm curious to see where you guys were um, when this okay. was happening. So. Um, I'll take, because mine's a very short story, which is that I'm in your boat in the sense that I would not have been conscious of it, so to speak. I guess right. I was like four or five. Yeah, I think but I was younger than that. So. The first time I had heard about this story was um, due to Weird Al's Yankovic's uh, song called Headline News, where he parodied the crash test uh, dummy song you know the you know whatever mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the whole structure of that song <laughs> i get it because i yeah. said mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. but that's actually the name of the song uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh boy we could be here all day hey so who's continue. on first what's mm. on second very good, <laughs> Sorry. Very good driver Ooh. Mm. uh so 
headline news is the name of the song. So his structure was each of the three verses was a popular '90s news story. Uh, one of them being the uh, woman who cut off her husband's penis and threw it off on the freeway. One of them being uh, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Now I forget what the other one is. I'm totally going to look that up while we're recording. Dude. Could it have been Monica Lewinsky or something? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, was going to say either OJ or the Unabomber. It wasn't OJ. It, they they had to be like weird human interest stories that were whether oh. even if they were big like Tanya Harding thing was big they were still micro as far oh, as I was they say, were just Unabomber was a pretty big deal so. yeah that, right yeah. and Bill Clinton obviously not not very right fun. haha and and it wasn't murder <laughs> well I mean I, I don't think he tackled murder anyway. Um, but literally, I, I just remember listening to this song because I was obsessed with Weird Al, and I thought everything he did was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure my mom, of course, had one day heard the song. was like, you know, these are real stories, right? I was like, what? Because he doesn't actually name. He just says, once there was a figure skater. Who, yeah. And so she's like, yeah. And so she was the one who explained it to me, but it's all because of a Weird Al song that I even had any passing knowledge of that this was a real thing that happened. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so anyway, that's literally the extent. I mean, then I looked it up and whatnot. So, that's so cool. I I remember it because I remember the entire events surrounding it. I remember how big of a story it was because I'm a little bit older than you guys because I'm an old man. Yeah, because you're old as fuck. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Awesome. I'm just kidding. Um, so my mom was always uh, Olympics or just, you know, during. Oh, just because you're, I don't want to, like, get you into it. The, the very first verse is the story of the kid who went to Singapore and shoplifted and then he got uh, whatever you call it, whipped in not in public, but the whole thing was he was in another country, and because he shoplifted, they caned him. You ever heard about this? No, I've actually I had have not dis- heard of it. I that. had to discuss it in an ethics class because the whole idea was <laughs> should that country be allowed to exact their punishment when we were asking for the kid to be returned to our country so that we could punish him accordingly. And hmm. so anyway, that's yeah, interesting. He was caned. I remember the video. It's funny because you see his butt. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I was like five, six, seven years old. Oh, yeah. I was just, yeah. Good. Uh, but my mom always uh, enjoyed watching figure skating. Uh, so it was frequently on, uh, especially during the Olympics, but other times. So I actually watched Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan skate, uh, you know, back during their original. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that whole event was just, it's interesting, too, because, God, what a different time. Oh, I know, right? Um, where... You know, some uh, somebody coming in and taking out uh, a figure skater's kneecap was like big news. Like, I feel like we reached the point where it's almost like in that 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 it's not not a big deal, but it's almost like got to the point where it's like Anchorman, haha, funny. Where it's like, and look, here's the lighter side of the news: a squirrel on water skis. Like it's, (laughs) like like. A figure Unfortunately, skater. I agree with you, but yes, go ahead. Because that it seems like every single day, like either our president or somebody else is like talking about nuclear war or things yeah. like that. Um, and, and but it really was a story that, and I think a big, and I think this film highlights it, which um, I think it could have done a better job of actually. But mm-hmm. I think a big reason why this became such a big deal is, is well, I guess there's two reasons. One, uh, and it is mentioned, uh, this was hard copy that was 
doing a lot of the following. Which I had never heard of before this movie, but apparently they don't exist anymore. They don't exist anymore, but they were very much like the tabloids of of television. So they were sensationalizing. Influential. Yeah. They were sensationalizing this. And uh, I, by the way, just a quick preview. I thought Bobby Cannavale's character was great. I thought he was fantastic. Me too. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, uh, the idea of all of the the silliness that went on surrounding this, I think is what kept it going to be honest, because you've got, uh, the bodyguard friend who is a total disaster, who just is giving soundbite after soundbite. That's just ridiculous. You've got Jeff Galilee, who's just a total mess with his terrible mustache. He um, apologized profusely for it. Yeah, he really fine. did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got Tanya Harding, who initially was defying and was not going to apologize and was not going to talk about it, but still want to be in the Olympics. And it was just, it was just so, so weird how in, the idea that somebody came in and like decided to take out a figure skater's knee uh, during a practice session is just. It's amazing that that ever happened. It's just, it's just so mind-boggling to me that 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 somebody thought that was a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are, uh, you know, twenty years later, and there's a full motion picture about it that has three Oscar nominations. So, <laughs> uh, if you are like Tucson and you have no idea about the story of Tanya Harding, <laughs> it uh, revolves around competitive ice skater. Uh, her name is Tanya Harding, as she rises amongst the ranks of the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. But her future in the activity is thrown into doubt when her ex when her ex husband intervenes. I like that that synopsis is written from the perspective that this story has never been told before. <laughs> Nobody knows anything <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, so this film does surround uh, Tanya Harding, played by Margot Robbie, also Sebastian Stan and Alice and Jenny, uh, delivering performances, and then we also have Bobby Cannavale. And there's somebody else I'm missing, or is there? I'm not sure. Okay, that's about it for the big people. Uh, And the film is directed by Craig Gillespie, uh, who previously directed uh, Lars and the Real Girl, which uh, I've seen and thought was pretty good. I loved that movie. That's why I was so excited to hear that this director was doing this movie. So. So... Anna, you started us off with Week in Review, and I know you were way into seeing this movie. So do you want to start off the review, or do you want somebody else to go? Sure, I can start. Okay. All right. So, um, like I said, I really like the director, Greg Gillespie, who previously did Lars and the Real Girl. So I thought his style was going to be really unique. And I think I read that... He's Australian and Margot Robbie's Australian, so I think like creatively they, I think they Obviously. made something really cool. Yeah. And then also Margot Robbie and her husband produced this movie, so I feel like there was a lot of uh, a lot of love that went into this movie. And overall, I thought this was like so good because we had not only like the main story happening, but then there were interviews being done where the characters the the actors were playing the characters as if the characters were actually being interviewed and the constant like contradictions and the breaking of the fourth wall and the soundtrack and just that's becoming a margot robbie thing by the way isn't it what is the breaking of the fourth wall i feel like that's Mm. is it 
Well, I mean, what? she didn't personally do it, but Wolf of Wall Street was definitely involved with that. Yes. And then she also does that in uh, The, the Big, Big Short. Short. I don't know about the Margot Robbie thing. Wait, was she in The Big Short? I'm sorry, I didn't see it. She's she was in it playing herself, talking to the audience. Literally, in a moment in that movie, oh. the narration says, if you don't understand this very incredibly complex housing market uh concept mm-hmm. here's margot Robbie in a bathtub explaining it to you as oh. which she says as a joke but then she actually is in a bathtub right explaining an actual heart know, it, 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 to me seeing that again this movie i'm like man i feel like i, I mean it's a weird a it's I've a weird coincidence yeah but yeah okay that, well that's a that's a good point yeah you're right maybe it not be it may not be a her thing but like it's just it just she, keeps she, popping up right it keeps popping in. up that yeah. stuff that she's in um and yeah i think overall like all of the elements that brought that produced this final film like really just gelled together so 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 well and i think you know showing tanya harding from essentially being a toddler that's forced into figure skating all up until the incident and then what happens afterward is done really really good and i think this was two full hours i did not feel the length of this movie and i think that really speaks volumes to it's over it's like almost two and a half yeah now is it two hours two hours oh. on the dot really mm-hmm. oh man that editing that editor must be so proud um <laughs> um and i think that speaks volumes pretty much to how great this movie was and i think that um i don't know the theater you guys were in but i saw this um, at a movie theater downtown, and since it was limited release, I was really surprised. The theater was pretty much full. Oh yeah, limited releases, especially if you went on a weekend, are usually very crowded. So. See, and like I don't usually go to Chicago to see movies, but like I, my plans happened to work out that way, right. where it was like the closest one. I think it was a theater you recommended, Alex, mm-hmm. um, and. I think I had a pretty good like audience in it. Like everybody was really responsive to all the jokes. Um, when there were shocking moments, like there were like, you know, you like could when she throws a knife at her. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> like <laughs> you could like feel the silence, and then I think maybe like I was the only person who gasped, but whatever. Um, well, we saw this in Evanston when it was okay. still in limited release, and it was a very crowded theater. And yep. it usually it was a nighttime showing, so that that worked into it, but. When I saw it the second time, yeah, um, much less crowded uh, in St. Charles. Okay, uh, and the crowd reaction was not nearly as good. Uh, well, sure. and I saw it in St. Charles as well, but I saw it the weekend it came to St. Charles, mm-hmm. so it was just as crowded. Mm-hmm. But that audience was not having it as a comedy. And then when it came to the drama, they were reacting, in my opinion, stupid ways. Like, Mm. I'm not going to tell anybody how to react to a movie, but it's one thing to react to a movie involuntarily, like like gasping or whatever. But there were people, like, when when the knife would be thrown or, like, when something where someone would just be like, oh, jeez, oh, she's horrible. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, now you're just being annoying. That is obnoxious. Like, that's not very good etiquette, but whatever. Like anyway. you said, you can't really tell people how to There's react no more there. theater etiquette out there. No. So. Oh, God. So, yeah. But um, I... Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard this story. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but it's okay. Nick went to go see... It was it Zootopia? Yeah. And somebody started vaping in front of him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's not funny. So, so that's done. I know. Theater etiquette is It was a totally children's movie <laughs> that I went and saw a 10 o'clock showing because I figured nobody would be there. 10 o'clock p.m. 10 o'clock p.m. Yeah. on a Tuesday night or something. And 
all of a sudden, the movie had already started, so I was like, yes, I'm alone. And then uh, three people walk in, two parents and their little daughter, sat directly in front of me in an empty theater, and then the father started vaping. I'm watching Jason Bateman's Fox through a cloud of blueberry smoke that nobody asked for. And I felt like I was in hell. And I have never felt that same feeling uh, other than election night, November of last year. Or no, two years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was it. (laughs) Going to Canada. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I'm sorry because I mean, I didn't think Zootopia was that good. So, like, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't either. But he certainly didn't add to it. Uh, his wife, uh, to be fair, at least after about five minutes of it, she seemed embarrassed, which she should be. Good. And basically forced him to go sit somewhere else. So he apparently <laughs> wanted to vape so badly that he was just going to go like sit in the back of the theater. I'm like, why'd you even come? But anyway. That yeah. is ridiculous, man. Now, like, whenever I go to the movies, I'm just going to look out for that asshole that starts you vape, vaping. bro? Yeah. But bro, Not in Coco! Bro, do you even vape? Not in Coco. Like... Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so please continue on with yeah. this train wreck of an episode. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Choo-choo. Oh, <laughs> it was good. Chicka-chicka-chicka. Yes. I stole that joke. I'm sorry from Nick. Okay. Yeah, well, it's... you did that First of so all, much. Every joke is stolen from me. So <laughs> I am the original chokester. That's all I got. Al Solomon, undercover operative. I've uh, been <laughs> trained in military espionage uh, or counterterrorism. We looked whatever. up your records, and yeah. uh, no, you're not. No, but no. I am. Mm, but but you're I, not. No, but I. What I am. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking. I. You know what? This is. I think this goes to the the filmmakers for this, because there's something about him running to the car, and seeing his belly bouncing under his shirt that just <laughs> makes it feel like that's actually how that would have looked. Yeah, so, totally. Really quick, just another note about our movie going experiences. So Alex saw this. Me and Alex saw this together for the first time, and I would say a lot of times when we go see comedies. Now, I wouldn't say a lot of time, but I would say if we picked a majority, you're the one that's usually laughing, whereas I'm, I would say, being slightly quieter. Not quieter, but I don't know. It's like I don't always have the most visible, or I should say loudest, whatever. I think it, if if something's really funny, you laugh. Oh, I do, for sure. Yeah. But I would say like this was one of the rare times when I feel like I was being the loudest person in the theater when it came to that bodyguard, because <laughs> that casting was... Just one well, perfect, right? One of my favorite. Oh my god! So I know good. that that has the uh, the line that you loved very much oh, yes. about being uh, recording over the Star Trek episode. Oh and- yeah, <laughs> nobody laughed at that in the second showing, and I got to say that's why we uh, that's why we're in the state of the union that we're in right now because <laughs> we're all uh, a country full of bad people. But yeah, yeah. but the <laughs> fact that that was a payoff to the earlier comment about Dad, make sure it's a blank tape. And then later on, he still won't let it go. He's like, well, my parents taped over my favorite Star Trek episode, but I'm still keeping it together, man. <laughs> that specific scene, which is fabulous, too, when yeah. um, Sebastian Stan comes in, and he, the first thing, he's like, what the fuck happened? We fucking did it, man. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like totally just off on his own. And then oh, I love the flashback scene when he's telling everybody about, 
yeah, I got paid 65000 to knock off Kerrigan. It's like, what? Yeah, and then earlier he's like, well, no, I didn't say anything. Why would anybody suspect yeah, me? No, <laughs> and then all those clips. It's just, yep. it's, no, it's, it's, it's moments great. like that that just made this movie so good. Like, I just like, it, I couldn't stop talking about it with my friend because like the my friend who i saw it with she didn't know a whole lot about the backstory so it was really cool to be like oh well you know i feel like you know it was true she did get knocked down points because she didn't have you know the look that they were looking for but technically she was still amazing and all that stuff so like i am super happy with how this movie turned out and i love like all the way down to the details like the costumes she was wearing like during her performances i feel like they made them like really really close to what uh tanya harding actually wore emily nudged me during the uh the first olympics okay and she's like i remember watching this with my mom uh in that year and she's like and that's exactly how it looked pretty much yeah you were gonna do the twitter meme when you're like and he's like emily nudged me during the first olympics scene and then she said that's tanya um so yeah that's i I mean we can talk about like specifics but overall i am like super happy with this and i thought all the casting was great and i loved the extra touch at the end during the credits where they showed full footage of the actual people yeah um so you can see like how close they did get to the details like the bodyguard like that pretty like al like nick said like that pretty much was the bodyguard and like allison janney does look like Lavana, so oh, the real bird that was the real bird i yeah. didn't realize that that was like a, i thought it was just a silly little affectation which oh, I, no, no, no. I, I got a few I chuckles it out of but mm-hmm. when i saw i genuinely that's the one thing i didn't know and i was like ah, ah yeah. bird. yeah so yeah so whoever wants to, to yeah. take it next so yeah i um i was very much looking forward to this mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily because of the tanya harding because i obviously knew the story for the most part uh surrounding her that was public beforehand but not Mm -hmm. this kind of scene behind the curtain type thing so a couple of notes on that that i was interested in is it it definitely seemed like tanya harding was the actual person was kind of involved in this which makes it makes it interesting to me that i feel like there are parts in this that don't really paint her in the best light which right which I'm surprised about because she was at the Golden Globes and she does mm-hmm. seem to be but more she's the visible same now. person now that she was then. So if we did just to go off on that idea, mm-hmm. I find that why I'm not surprised is that I think the person we saw in the movie, at least the representation of that Tanya Harding mm-hmm. and the Tanya Harding that was in the Olympics so long ago is the person that would somehow look at this and think that it was a flattering... So, but, but, but see, I guess what Maybe I'm not s- through and through, but for the most part, would think that this did its job, so to speak. But what, what I'm getting at more is that if 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 no, going, I went in knowing that she was involved in this and right. that we're following her story, not a collection of stories, even though there are stories from the other Jeff Gulley, you know, side and everything... Right. This doesn't really paint her in the best light. And it also makes her seem like a narcissist that doesn't understand that she's, you know, doing certain things in that. So I'm, yeah. I was very surprised with the, the final product here. So going off of that, I think that's really like, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. It doesn't paint her in the best light and like going, like leaving the theater. I like how 
how involved she was and how much she knew to the audience is left kind of ambiguous because when I was talking to my coworker about this movie, he, he asked, so did she know before it happened? And I was like, well, the movie doesn't directly answer that. And then also I read an interview with Tanya Harding very recently done by the New York times, which I mean, they fucking make you pay for their website, but this was a free article. Um, Tanya Harding, like for the most part, she did like how it turned out, but she wanted to make sure people knew that she didn't swear like a sailor that much and also the movie made it look like that fur coat was handmade but she said in real life like she bought like a fur coat for real but those were the two things she wanted people to know that those are the only things are different for the most part the movie is the movie so like i i just think that's you know and like in the which is still problematic (laughs) no it is yes in a good way yes but yeah so as far as it i knew the movie wasn't gonna paint her in a flattering way because she obviously knows herself which is which is um for me at least somewhat surprising because whenever you have somebody like um a good example in the actually this is perfect because uh in the promotion for this film um we have this described as the goodfellas of ice skating and and, and whatnot so obviously when i heard that a my ears perked up mm. and i was going to be judging it on, on that because you said it um <laughs> however you look at goodfellas it's a perfect example with henry hill uh in his story Yet he never commits any murders in the film. He's never implicated in anything right. too serious. Uh, he's, you know, just a stand-up gangster guy. I was going to say, it's very so. similar in that it's almost like you can see why they agreed to it. Because no one's going to buy that these people in these the subjects of these movies are saints. So there has to be flaws, so to speak. But if we can put these flaws front and center in the spotlight and, in my opinion, manipulate the truth of what actually happened in these instances and get off scot-free, mm-hmm. then, of course, they're going to you know, approve of it and, right. and want it made. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Tanya Harding is not really... She's shown as this not great human being throughout this whole film. Mm-hmm. Uh, although she does blame every single other person other than herself for everything. But, yeah, she does have reasoning in some instances yeah. why she's accurate. Um, so... I like I am a little on the fence in a good way about this film mm-hmm. because I really like this film but I wanted to like it more than I liked it. Okay. So I thought this film had really good humor in it but I feel like there just wasn't enough there for this to be a really well done 2 hour film. Mm. We have a very a simple story and most people know the outcome and honestly everything and it should but everything surrounding the incident probably takes up about the last 45 minutes of this film give or take and the first hour and 15 is really just filler uh in a lot of points and i think that was for me uh, a point that i i just wasn't completely on board with because i enjoyed scene to scene but the sum of all of its parts really didn't have much there. It was just, we need to have something to fill this other hour and 10 minutes of this full motion picture. So let's spend time with her smoking and let's spend time showing her working out like Rocky and let's spend time showing her getting fat and, and that kind of thing. It just felt like it wasn't a full film that was a biopic of a person. I disagree with you. Okay. I feel... Well, 
Okay. Based on what you just like that final sentence as far as based like how could it be a biopic of a full person if they cut out her life and only talked about the only thing she's known for. Yeah. No, I, I guess that's what I'm what I was trying to get at is that I feel like there wasn't enough um regarding her life that was told throughout this film for a complete film. Like we had a okay. lot of of moments in this start to finish two hour motion picture that I don't think really gotcha. deserve to be in a film for me. So that being said, I thought it was a very good film and I thought it was funny. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling all over myself here a little bit. <laughs> so I probably should have written some notes down, but we don't do notes here. No. So it's okay. <laughs> uh, but, but that being said, that's why I'm a little bit on the fence on this. Uh, I thought all of the acting performance for the most part were really good. Um, Allison Janney was great. I don't know if she should win Best Supporting Actress after seeing it a second time, but I thought her character was great, and I thought she did a great job, uh, as she usually does. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick would probably would probably mention this as well, but Sebastian Stan is actually also very good here, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's come a long way. A big fan. Oh he's yeah, from, he just yes, I agree with you. Go from ahead. you know starting off as Bucky uh, in terms of the mainstream, uh, and even some of his other roles that he's had over time. Uh, but, you know, with things like The Martian, uh, with uh, this film, and also uh, with Logan Lucky uh, earlier in 2017. More like Logan Bucky. Um, you know, he, and I thought he played, yeah, I thought he played his, his role in this film as Jeff Gilloly very well. Um, and, I, and I absolutely enjoyed it. But, yeah, um, I was shitting on this a little bit. But I still thought this was a very enjoyable film, and I thought it had a lot of great comedic moments, um, especially with Bobby Cannavale, who actually was my favorite part of the movie. So <laughs> you can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my my just general thoughts of that. I thought this was a blast. I um, I've seen it twice now, and I actually like it the second time even more. And I'm pretty much it's growing in my head, not because it's gonna like grow to be some kind of all time classic or anything, but the more I sit with it, the more I'm pretty much completely on board for. The, uh, I should say the mode in which this movie wanted to tell its story when it comes to that kind of uh, faux Scorsese jukebox musical uh, saga, so to speak, mixed with the fetishization of this 90s tabloid revitalization that we're living in right now with like the American crime story OJ, uh, which also was fantastic. <laughs> like that should not have been good, but Ryan Murphy actually made one of the best miniseries of all time in my opinion. Um, and so we're, we're in that mode now where that's best was hot. So I was very skeptical that we needed this story because, um, you know, uh, I, Tanya was literally, or I, Tanya. Uh, Tanya Harding and her story was literally dwarfed once before by OJ and the ensuing news that happened afterwards. So I really didn't think that a movie about her was going to have any kind of staying power whatsoever either, you know. And I got to say that I, I thought it was a blast. And I'm pretty much on board with just about every choice here as far as casting and uh, the jukebox aspect of the soundtrack. I thought, actually thought was perfect because I like the way that it keeps pervertedly like interrupting the movie as if like while everybody was listening to these songs, this was happening, you know? So it's less about dating the movie and more about like 
yeah, <laughs> while you were singing Gloria in your truck, uh, you know, they were arresting the bodyguard, you know, little things like that, which I just kind of got a kick out of. So I was very on board for that kind of thing. And it, it's not perfect by any means, but the characterization of all these characters, uh, I thought was a very good balance of being what we would consider to be a representation of what we already know about them mixed in with a good uh, interpretation of them based on the testimony that was given, at least within the film. I, I'm not going to go through the movie, nor should anybody, because it's a fool's errand, uh, and try to figure out what's true, what's not true, what's factual, what's not factual. But as a text in which the text itself is already telling you uh, that these testimonies are contradicting each other and whatnot, um, I found it to be a, uh, pretty much a riot to go from one person's perspective to another because one thing that I thought was hilarious about the contradictions here was that nobody was outright sane other than a few moments in which it was more just for comedic effect. Nobody really accused the other party of like flat out lying. It was more of this like awkward like tugging of the collar and be like, well, that's not exactly what happened, Mm -hmm. which means that all of this happened in some way or another, and it's also a lot worse than we probably know it to be. So how about, um, and this is a scene that really highlights what you're talking about, Nick, which I actually thought was a fantastically done scene. Um, so after they get divorced uh, and Jeff Gillily shows up at her house and pulls a gun on her, then threatens to commit suicide, yep. uh, and then she tries to run away and he shoots at her, hits the yep. car, hits her in the face. So we have a very interesting events that happen after that. So he's going to take her to the hospital then. Yep. And she's bleeding out of the side of her head. He points the gun at the other people in the apartment complex, yep. gets in the car, drives away. So then we have them getting pulled over. Her then not like running to the police, her trying to you know, help him out, him getting taken out of the car by the police, and then him talking his way out of it. Uh, yeah. That just and checks so many boxes. It checks so many boxes, um, yeah. and it's perfectly set up as, because technically she's telling that story, not him, which mm-hmm. is interesting because she's painting herself to be a victim in that scene for me because I didn't see her. But she's so- a victim two times of the uh, police and of Jeff. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And so what I'm saying is that for her to tell that story, that is in her interest because that's telling the audience why she didn't go to the FBI right away, mm-hmm. which in turn admits that she knew more than she let on, even though she says she doesn't. So I kind of like that characters don't just contradict each other. They contradict themselves at various points. And I I thought that was great. Um, A few other really quick general notes is that um, I said it earlier, but I'll just got to say it one more time, which is that the casting for Sean, the bodyguard, (laughs) is probably, and I'm not being hyperbolic, uh, probably my favorite. These these people are messing around. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably my favorite supporting character and uh, performance in any movie because it was such a treat and delight because I just was not expecting it. (laughs) Like, you know, like, yeah, I really like Sam Rockwell and it's Rebuild. Boards, but I've always been a Sam Rockwell fan, so that didn't really like shock me. But here, that no-name actor, I think, mm-hmm. uh, doing a whether it's a Pitch Perfect, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, impression. Impression. Yeah. You know, well, that's debatable. But the affectations that he had on screen uh, were just phenomenal. So, and so, how about just the little moments for him, though, too? 
I like when they're driving to go like tell off Tanya Harding, <laughs> and there's a point when he's, he's just eating in the, in the back seat without his shirt yeah. on. Yeah, and... that's great. My favorite little moment, besides the Star Trek line, but my favorite little moment from Sean in the movie is when him and and even though because at first the scene rang a little too Will Ferrell esque, where uh, when him and uh, Jeff are in his basement and trying to get. Uh, the mom to keep dialing the numbers, yeah. right? And so when Jeff is on the phone with Tanya for the first time, and the way Sean is like, what's she saying, man? And then he's like, you know, not whatever. And he's like, man, you got to tell her off or whatever. And then what I think is hilarious is that, in my opinion, like, he says something like, uh, I should say, Sean says something like, oh, tell her that, you know, you, you, I forget what he says, but something like, you're in control or something. And then, like, Sean, or, Jeff. Jeff randomly says something like, I think he called her the C word, maybe the B word. I don't know. But like, in my opinion, takes it further than what uh, Sean was saying. But then the way Sean just goes, oh, man, like <laughs> like he didn't even think about that or something. It's just, oh, man. But anyway, but the way they kept uh, shouting for the mom, mom, can you do it one more time, please? I thought that scene was so good. Just so good. How about at the beginning, too, since we're, we're getting a little in-depth on Sean's character here. How about, at the, how about at the beginning of the film, too? When uh, he's giving his interview and he basically says, well, I don't want to take credit for it, but if I had <laughs> said he should leave that bitch, none of this would have ever happened. <laughs> yep. It's that just... and uh, when they're in the... But, that, but that's what's so great about this whole film is that everybody seems to try to take credit for everything, but only yeah. in the positive way. Yeah. Uh, like they're somehow all fundamental in her success. But like nobody knows how this went down when it comes to the mm-hmm. uh, the incident. Yeah. Uh, but uh, him in the strip club too, when he says something like, "I shouldn't be telling you his name. His name is Kyle," and, <laughs> or whatever. It's, a, it's just oh god, I want that guy to be in everything now. Yeah, I mean, let's hope so because I feel like, I mean, the way that we're talking about him, he was kind of like the scene stealer in this movie, which was which actually reminds me of like you know. Rebel Wilson in Pitch Perfect. Like, she had some degree of fame before yeah. that, but I feel like for this actor, this Best might be one. his, like, first, like, major project. Also, I think there should be two more Itanias. <laughs> Just so we can see more of him. One where they do a USO figure skating tour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then one where it's, like, all a reunion. Yes. So, and then they all these people can interact with there each other go. again. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're, like, like we've been talking about, there have been just so many great moments. Like I like, I don't know, like you, you described it really well. The jukebox effects, yeah. like, um, whenever Tanya's mom comes on screen, they play that song devil woman. Cause she really is a fucking devil woman. Yeah. And it's like emphasized like even more and all of that stuff. I just like, whenever I think about it, I'm like, man, that's so well done for a movie. Yeah. So the only needle drop that didn't really work for me was Spirit in the Sky because too many movies have used it. I know, I noticed that too. And when they did that for the scene in which her father abandons her, I'm like, that's a pretty important moment in yeah. Tanya's life, at least in the context of the movie. And um, like all the other ones were very, in my opinion, not that they've never been used in a movie, but like Gloria during the arrest <laughs> scene was yes. I thought phenomenal, mm-hmm. and a few other choices where I'm like, oh, that's just perfect, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one was a little too uh, purposeless, other than just everybody knows that tune, so mm-hmm. it gets you jump-started on the narrative. But yeah. um, one thing I want to say, I've been noticing a trend in 
movies in 2017, and I, Tanya is a victim of it as well, in which people are going to see the movies these days, and even people I like, so I'm trying to figure out if it's just me, like if I'm if I'm out of touch in some way, or maybe. Uh, well, let's discuss it. <laughs> um, but people in 2017, I feel like, and maybe because we're in a new climate, but are being, or I should say are mistaking uh, a movie's narrative with a movie's uh, empathy. Because we saw it with Three Billboards where that movie got shit on by a lot of people and a lot of people liked it. But also a lot of people who I respect thought it was an abomination here's because the, of the way of it portrayed Sam Rockwell's character. Here's the funny thing about that, though. Yeah. I feel like the general opinion of that is starting to shift around now that it's won some awards. and it's What? Of three billboards. Shift around which way? Like, that they're starting to think, yeah, actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Oh, no, I've seen it going completely the other way. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's only getting worse and worse, hmm. which is ironic because these are the same people who say that the award show doesn't matter. It's like, hmm, that's so weird because it seems to be amplifying your opinion about something that's not related to awards. <laughs> anyway, um, and we see it a little bit here. In the, I haven't heard as much about uh, as I have with three billboards, but mm-hmm. uh, with the character of, I guess I would say, a lot of them, and I, uh, I, I keep saying I, Tanya, like that's her fucking name. <laughs> uh, anyway, Citizen Kane, just, you know, about that Citizen Kane. No, I was I was, I was going to say this is like going to turn into a, a new Apple product, so that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, Tanya, kills kneecaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've seen two different distinct takes of I, Tanya, which is that the mother should not have been portrayed the way she was because that made comedy out of abuse, which, fuck that, because <laughs> there's been dark comedies forever. Yeah. And you can, the idea that someone, the idea that you would judge a person based on what they laugh at as automatically somehow that that means they're charitable towards those actions, it's insane. So I'm not even really going to touch that one. But one, I will at least open up the debate as far as the merit like at least evaluation, which I don't agree with, is the idea that this movie lets Tanya tell her story in a way that she shouldn't be able to because in certain people's minds, she clearly knew a lot more and were really just glorifying a criminal and letting her add to her own testimony because she's bitter and she's always has been. And so here's what I'll say to that really quick before I pass it to you guys if you have any thoughts, which is that, A, I kind of see where that's coming from because this movie, if it portrays Tanya in a light that's even somewhat realistic, which it must because Tanya Harding herself has signed off on it, does show a character who would only really come forward with something as long as it shows her in a positive light. As far as the zero-sum game when it comes to uh, the legality of what she did or did not do. Um, so I kind of see that in the sense that it does track with the narrative that we're watching in this movie. However, I don't agree that you can just watch I, Tanya and somehow assume that because Tanya Harding, as played by Margot Robbie, said she didn't do it, therefore we are all as a society too stupid to make up our own minds because I find this to be a hilarious comedy mostly because I walked away from it thinking that Tanya knew way more about it than she lets well, on how about, and yet throughout the whole movie that whole MO of her character is to say that she didn't so it's very silly to think that we would take a movie and that includes the three billboards at face value and not actually try to dissect it for what it is although, and not what it says 
so I'll say this uh, specifically about this film, and then I already mentioned a little bit about uh, Henry Hill in, in Goodfellas. We have a lot of scenes where our main character is absent from the action yeah. uh, and absent from the um, complete story that's surrounding the action, um, which is neither an admission of innocence or an admission of guilt. It's more just a, I'm going to step outside of this and tell this story and paint this picture, and I'm going to not be in the picture, right, so you're like, going to be thinking of everything else, which may not be the full picture, but you're not going to be thinking about me. So, yeah. um, And I think we see that at multiple times where she was sleeping during the events, or she was skating during the events. Or like she made that call to figure out where she practiced, but mm-hmm. it was just a silly little bet between, right. you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, even the small scenes that we see her involved with where she's saying she's not involved, but she's skating while Jeff and Sean are having conversations. Um, you know, I, I feel like... This isn't necessarily painting her in the most positive light. It's just saying that she uh, wasn't involved in every single aspect of it, which I'm assuming is true. But at the same time, it definitely doesn't say that she was completely innocent. It's saying that she didn't physically do it or physically plan every single part of it, which also was true. So I think well, so. Eh. This movie does posit that she didn't know about it. And it I, does, but it doesn't I'm saying that, that posit that she's completely in the dark. She just wanted it to go a different way, which I think the movie does really well because, like I said before, it's ambiguous how much she really did know. I mean, I do think it's ambiguous, but let's just say this was a fictional movie. Like, let's say this Tanya Harding story itself never existed, but the movie itself, I, Tanya, exists mm-hmm. in the okay. exact same form. Okay we would then have to look at the movie and we would have to assume that she knew nothing about this, which doesn't make any sense in my opinion because we are bringing, when we watch this movie, our actual historical context. I mean, it's like the OJ thing all over again, which is like you can't watch that trial and not have your own opinion on what happened based Mm -hmm. on everything you know about how the world works and how these uh, personalities uh, presented themselves in the media. So the idea that it's ambiguous is true because we have otherworldly knowledge of these characters in this film, but if we take exactly what Tanya Harding approved in this form of her story is that she had no knowledge of it. Like, she didn't know until after, and she only didn't go to the cop because of her story with the cop, but um, that whole thing is a little silly to me, and I kind of understand why people are saying, like, why are we letting her even... Because here's the thing. Even if she gets one inch out of an average moviegoer, like, that's that's good. Like, any... Millis, whatever, you get closer to getting people to think that you didn't do something, it's kind of dangerous. And that's why I think some people will buy it because it's not saying that she was a perfect person. So people will eat up the idea that, like, oh, well, she's a flawed individual, but she didn't do this, so therefore I buy that. And I don't know. I, I, I All I'm saying is I'm entertaining the idea that it is somewhat reckless in a way. And I say that as someone who loved the movie. Okay, so I'll say this. I think... Maybe what you're saying could be true if it was a film viewer who is like not into 
parsing out uh, small details. But I think if you watch this film and you actually read between the lines of it, um, and I agree, this doesn't really paint Tanya Harding as a completely truthful figure. For and I agree so. with that. So that's why I'm for this movie, mm-hmm. and I'm basically saying, I guess I'm just, I, I will at least entertain the idea that. The, the takes that were written about that aspect are true in the in in the in the way that yes if you are a moviegoer who only is a tabloid state of mind so to speak where you only basically absorb the information that is thrown at you and not the information you have to dig for mm-hmm. there is something slightly dangerous about letting Tanya crack the audience up with her jokes and being like wink wink but I didn't do anything you know but on the other hand, I don't want a movie to cater to that audience anyway because they're stupid, and <laughs> I'm all I'm I'm very here for what this movie does do and the way it presents it as this hilarious truth with a wink. Yeah, agreed. That's I really like how you talk about all of that because what Stop. you <laughs> what please don't stroke his ego. Basically, he doesn't need it. You got me thinking about the idea of between Nancy and Tanya, the narrative is changing to one wants to be more of a victim. And I think that with this movie, it does highlight a lot of the idea that when this is actually happening, people didn't really talk about like no one or very few people believed that Tanya's mother beat her and, you know, all things like that. Like looking back on it now, you know, you watch this movie and Nancy Kerrigan is the one who had costumes made by Vera Wang. Like uh, Tanya was not that person by a long shot. So just Thinking about those two things, it is interesting that people have some really shitty takes on this and that Tanya's probably looking for something that she might not even get. But the fact that her story is out there now, granted in a filmic way, I think does help because there's many sides to a story. I hate fucking saying that, but still, like, it's it's the truth. So, yeah. People on many sides. So. God, I'm so sorry. Like that's <laughs> no. not what I meant. But no, no, no. we're not talking about Nazis here, so it's okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. But you're bringing up something that we also haven't really talked about. But that's also because the movie's not interested in talking about it, which is Nancy Kerrigan, who's probably the only actual victim in this entire exactly. incident. Like yes. she's the only person who is literally forced into something in which a negative outcome happens for her through no fault of her own whatsoever. Right. And yet this movie treats her like a punchline, which I thought was hilarious because of the fact that this was told by Tanya Harding, Jeff Galuli, and Sean the Bodyguard. So, of course, she's not going to... She's going to be an afterthought. But that's probably the other idea as far as where this might come into dangerous territory, whereas um, if you only view Nancy Kerrigan from these people's eyes, then, yeah, like... What does she have to cry about? You know, but the idea here wow. is that no, I'm just saying, like, it, as far as it, from their perspective, but the idea that they sideline her in this story, but they tell everybody else's story is it's kind of select and choose. Um, Although, you know what? That, um, God, it's hard to say when you're not actually living in it. Like, we, yeah. I mean, we, this was many, 20 years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, 
Tanya Harding was the most interesting part of the whole story to begin with. No, right. No, and, you're right. I mean, yeah. there, were, there weren't vans parked outside of Nancy Kerrigan's house. Like, there wasn't. So. I'm just saying, if Tanya Harding got her story told once, then giving her this microphone again only to gain more sympathy, if she can. She's not going to lose more sympathy. We already thought what we thought of mm-hmm. when we thought of Tanya Harding, so nobody is going to think less of Tanya Harding when they see this movie. Literally only one of two possibilities is going to happen. You're going to think the exact same of her because the movie will confirm what you already believed about her, or you're going to like her a little bit more. So if you're Nancy Kerrigan and you see this movie, that's kind of got to feel kind of shitty. she's already said she's not going to. Right. So. Exactly. But if yeah. she ever did sit down, just knowing it exists, that's got to feel a little shitty. That is kind of like seeing your abuser make a lot of money and yeah. get sympathy for something that, uh, in a lot of ways, if they're telling the truth, has nothing to do with her. And yet we're back Like, to... I know it's like she's her competitor, but yeah. this was the Jeff Gawley and Sean story, technically, and yet Tanya Harding is going to get all of the money and all of the sympathy. And so that's why, like, this weird... Uh, perception that can kind of come out of this movie is it's such a i feel like you could study this in pr classes because oh, absolutely it's kind of a master class in selling what i would call a biopic but ends up being a stealth uh media revitalization uh to to the masses and yet uh we're a little bit back to where i started with this which um this idea that this event captivated the nation, Absolutely. basically. Uh, and not that it has again, because this wasn't like a huge box office hit or anything like that. But um, Oscar nominations, people are aware of it. Um, the idea that this this whole story, which just surrounds some guy getting paid $1,000 to go take out Nancy Kerrigan, uh, just actually happened in the first yeah. place. It's mm-hmm. just so... Uh, and I, I guess maybe that, that does, um, you know, kind of take away from my previous comments about how that there wasn't enough here for a full film. Although, um, you know, I'm still kind of on that, in that group, but, um, you know, the more, I, I, I guess the more I think about it, the more this film was just enjoyable to me. Um, so I can yeah. overlook that a bit. Speaking, but, uh, sorry, go okay, ahead. No, I, I, it's pretty much all I had to say is this, we're just making circles around the same thing that is this, <laughs> this sensationalized. Well, you're doing circles. I, I'm doing a triple axel. <laughs> The first in the United States yeah. by an American. Um, speaking of that, I love that final scene. Um, I, I love the music behind it. Mm-hmm. I love uh, the reprise of showing the Tanya Harding hitting the triple axel and her hitting the canvas in the uh, mm-hmm. professional lady boxer event. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can, can, I, can yeah. I just say that I saw an article with a headline the other day that said, here's how, or guess how the filmmakers of I, Tanya filmed the uh crazy real or not real but crazy whatever you call it triple axel they didn't even say triple axel but they said skating milestone scene or whatever and like with cgi because Mm, yeah i'm sorry but that like (laughs) i don't need to read that article because i'm sorry that was actually one of the worst parts of the movie is that when you see margot robbie's face like literally doing this weird windows 95 (laughs) rotation (laughs) of like not on the same axis uh across like that was really creepy it it was all the skating scenes actually i thought they were all i I agree um i do think uh the computer the CGI what the I computer, the computer. <laughs> I do think the uh, the CGI <laughs> god damn it I do think the CGI uh-huh. was pretty great during the early scenes when Margot Robbie played the toddler version of herself like I didn't recognize her at all 
can hate you. So two things. So um, the courtroom scene toward the end during her sentencing when she was, you know, getting all that stuff and then also being banned from USAF. Um, yes, I think that's the abbreviation um, where she's getting banned for life. I knew they would choose that clip when Margot Robbie got nominated for awards. And lo and behold, that's what they played at like the SAG Awards, I think. Yeah. And then two, one of my favorite pieces of direction in this film is during... I think it was one of the first skates. It was either at like the national championships or the Olympics or something where Margot Robbie like has her arm pointed toward the ground and then she lifts her arm up at the camera follows her arm. I thought that was so creative and it like adds a lot of perspective to the fact that this movie really is about her being a skater. Yeah. So I thought that was really neat. Um, And then also I was not crazy about in some shots her wig did not look great. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I mean, I knew that also that was not her real hair. Like, not everybody has that amazing '90s hair. So. Right. Right. I will say her accent was pretty great. I no. I she's, mean, great she, as far as well. Like, she's great at accents. A lot of people cannot keep that up for a hundred minutes. We're bad guys. It's yeah. what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, good thing she didn't talk like that the whole movie. Thank hey, God. she's got that second Suicide Squad and that uh, standalone like, movie. Suicide Squad. <laughs> Anything Jesus. else uh, we want to talk about as a group for final ratings? Uh, yeah, let's okay. let's talk about Obama. <laughs> so, or, or do you mean like the movie? All right. So why don't you go first, and we'll end with Anna. I think that's a good Sorry. idea. Just went in a completely <laughs> different direction with that. Uh huh. So do you want to go first? Do you I mean how first. you would vote for him a third time if he could? Oh, I did. Um, I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan of this movie. I thought it's I mostly I just love it as a comedy. I, I laughed from pretty much from start to finish and the scenes that were quote unquote dramatic, uh I also, you know, got it. it elicited a response from me from the knife throwing to the domestic abuse, you know. Um, what I liked is that this whole movie felt like shake, uh, taking a shot of insulin, which will not cure you of diabetes, so to speak, but it will get you going for the next hour or two. And that is a really weird metaphor. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going to... the diabetic dog? I'm kidding. Well, not really. But still, I get <laughs> oh, yeah. it. Like, my dog really does go after her insulin, yeah. so... <laughs> and so, like, I'm not going to fault it for, uh, you know, going in this direction and in this tone or whatever. And I, while I see some credence to the idea that maybe this is somewhat misguided because, unfortunately, things like this can be taken the wrong way by the masses, I'm ultimately on the side of this movie because I thought it was hilarious. I thought that... At the end of the day, that for a movie that I didn't need, because I didn't need a Tanya Hardy story, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed watching something unfold in which I already knew what was going to happen because of the fact that uh, the three main, and I'm actually not even including Ellis and Janney, because I'm mostly talking about the three, uh, the trio of criminals, so to speak, but the three main uh, people in this gang. By the way, if I can interject yes. really quickly. Uh, that guy is played by Paul Walter Hauser. Okay. Uh, the guy who played Sean. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, he is going to be in the upcoming uh, Spike Lee film, Black Klansman. Okay. Oh. So that's an interesting choice. Yeah. And I want to see what his character actually is in that film. We so. did it. Yeah. 
um, but yeah, no, but between the three of them, like, this is a great farce, I think. And we haven't seen a lot of those in, in Hollywood lately, you know, like like the birdcage and whatnot, where characters get together to try to achieve something and not only fail spectacularly, but also can't stop tripping over each other to fix the mistakes that they're uh, making along the way. And um, that's how you know that I think it's a successful movie, because it made a farce out of something we already know what's going to happen. So uh, I give it right now three and a half out of five uh it could definitely go up a little bit because every time i think about little lines and little moments i get a crack up about it whereas like other movies have fallen in my memory of this past year but i don't know man two hours of these songs these stupid jokes and as someone who is a sucker for media studies uh obviously one of the most famous stories in television ever told uh, television as far as like the medium that we all watched you know these events unfold uh I, i'm a sucker for this kind of thing so i i give it three and a half out of five we had a couple mentions of it already but uh, i like that this film even gives a nod to the idea of the oj story coming in and taking uh well, taking yeah. the baton from oh yeah this. that's Which right was, it like, did do that the greatest thing that could have ever happened to all three of them but also as jeff galooey points out also, one of the most depressing things that ever happened to him because he doesn't matter anymore, right? And mm-hmm. even though they didn't want that spotlight, like if if that's how they felt when they existed, where'd, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> like if that's how they felt while they existed in the light, it's like that's what's even more crushing about that whole thing is that uh, they literally just put, take the van out of their yard and and they had nothing going on for them, and so that's part of the the comedy uh, for me at least is that they were just as much addicted to these missteps and mistakes as they were committing them like it was the only thing that was actually keeping them valuable in in the limelight so So i uh i did really enjoy this film even though i feel like uh some of the parts early on didn't really add up um totally to me and that i felt like uh, we could have used a little more meat on the bone uh, in this film uh, I still thought this was enjoyable from start to finish. I thought this was a very humorous, funny film filled with great reactions uh, and great moments that switch between humor and drama. Um, that's a great part of uh, the relationship between Tanya and her mother is that we have this very dysfunctional relationship that has this very easily comedic uh, sort of um, aura given to the audience um, and it's highlighted by a lot of really horrible moments, like the mother trying to tape record a confession from the daughter. And it's just mm. like, oh, shit, that's just going to ruin your life forever. That's so, a yeah. scene that I don't understand how anybody walked away from this movie thinking that the mother was played for laughs. Like, just because individual lines can be comedic, this movie makes sure that the last impression you would leave with her. Uh, when it comes to her, is that at the end of the day, she is as evil as she well, basically is presented. Yeah. Actually, it's it's twofold. She doesn't have a G-shucks well, you know, revelation. She both tries to record her and also tries to sucker her in to recording that, too. And yeah. That's, um, yeah, pretty pretty damning. 
Um, we've got great performances top to bottom here between Margot Robbie and Sebastian Stan to Allison Janney to the guy who plays Sean. I love Bobby Cannavale. I thought he had great little moments. I mean, he's in this film for about three minutes total. He mm-hmm. did have the other pretty much classic moments. Oh, when he talks yep. about them uh, allaying suspicion from yep. uh, moving the they car to different parking spots. avoid oh, suspicion. Yeah. Just, yes. Um, so I thought good. that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, he had another line that was fantastic, like, yeah, and she wonders why she's not America's sweetheart or something. <laughs> like, it just, um, he was a perfect choice for that role and, and landed it um, just right on the nose. And yeah, it, this is just a lot of entertainment here, which is what this story was really going for. So um, this film really, really landed uh, what it was going for for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, could have been better, but obviously could have been a, a lot worse. So, three and a half out of five for me for I, Tanya, as well. Thanks, Nick. You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, I'm really glad all of us liked this movie because I had, um, like, considerable expectations when I heard they were making this movie. I got really excited when I saw the behind-the-scenes photos of Sebastian Stan in costume, which kind of, like... Really excited? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that excited. He like, creepily sounded like Giovanni Ribisi in the Ted movies, which yeah. really threw me off. But that's okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good luck ever watching, not thinking that again. Oh, Jesus. I profusely apologize for that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he did have that, um, that like, tinge to his voice. But anyway, so, yes. like My son really wants this teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was super pleased with how this movie, uh, turned out like it with all of the extra elements that were tossed in there, like, you know, speaking directly to the camera through the interviews and then also through breaking the fourth wall. I feel like if any other movie tried to do all those things, it might not have worked. But in this, I feel like it was pretty seamless and everything managed to fit together like a really nice puzzle. Um, like everyone else was saying, all of the acting I thought was great. I thought the script was done super well. The humor was great. Um, and then the dramatic parts were also very, very effective too. And then we see the most character growth, I think, from Margot Robbie's character, where she's, you know, playing Tanya Harding from a teenager in braces from a to. <laughs> I mean, from a toddler with all that great CGI yep. um, <laughs> to like Tanya Harding and, you know, today. And then, you know, they do the age makeup really great, too. So I thought that was super awesome. I loved this movie. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, and then I feel like this speaks maybe to me because like as a child of the 90s, it's really nice to see those things reaffirmed on film. So, yeah. Yeah, um, four out of five for me. I nice. am super happy with this movie. Glad to hear it. Glad that everybody uh, enjoyed I mean, uh, This is a, a, a cool movie to have because although this does have that Scorsese feel, so I, I will say that the Goodfellas you know, uh, comparison isn't totally off base, um, but it's nice to get a film like this uh, in, in this in this era because... Um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily always get films that are totally committed to telling this very specific story that is very um, 
closed off because people know Tanya Harding, but all they know is that, yeah. And I like how it's commented too in this film that people to this day swear that Tanya Harding was just smashing her knee with a baseball bat. Right. Yes, and then Margot turns in the, the camera with look? blood in her oh face. My God, God that's, that's awesome. so funny, right? Yeah. God, that was so good. Yes. Go so. ahead, Nick. Sorry. I was going to say, I should, probably should have said this on the actual review, but I just, I'm just kind of thinking about this, which is that. For me, there were two movies that came out in 2017 that were very similar, and one failed and one succeeded at the very same mission, which is Itania and the Disaster Artist. Because I think <laughs> both movies try to show you a sort of behind the scenes look at a real story. Now, here's what's weird, right? Uh, I care about people. <laughs> Wait. I love them. Aww. Fuck that guy. I did not hit her. So I did not break her leg. I did not. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I'm, hi, Mark. I, yeah. I, oh, I, hi, Nancy. Anna will probably be will probably be sad about this, but I'm so glad he fucking got shushed by James Franco at the Golden Globes. Oh, but I'm did you did you see his tweet? <laughs> he was like, I saw the tweet. We can talk tweet about was, tweet. Like, his tweet was bullshit. I by fucking the way. hate that guy. Oh, that was so cute. <laughs> no, it's not Anna. You're never invited back. I'm so sorry. I'm just kidding. Should but <laughs> but here's the thing. I, Tanya, and the Disaster Artist are both illuminating the real story behind things we are very familiar with. So there, in a lot of ways, half of what both of those movies have to do is recreate things we've literally already seen before, whether mm -hmm. they're media appearances or in the Disaster Artist case, uh, film scenes and whatnot. And part of the fun is seeing these uh, actors bring these very real uh, events to real life and whatnot. Hi, doggy. Hi, <laughs> doggy. Oh, yeah. hi, doggy. Oh, man, I love that. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. The disaster artist ends as if to say this whatever, this subject has no flaws and they're just quirks and at the end of the day, he's trying to... Oh, and by the way, that theater did give him a standing ovation yeah. during the first one, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yep, that was their oh, exact reaction. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. So, <laughs> anyway, it goes through, whereas... Itania goes out of its way to, I would say, like we were talking about earlier, paint it somewhat ambiguous as to the way they present themselves may not be the actual way that they... It, it's like this. It's like the producers heard Tanya Harding's story and said, yeah, we can make that into a movie, but then wrote the script themselves. And James Franco heard Tommy Wiseau's story and took him at every single word at face value. Jesus and here's the Christ. thing. The only reason why I compare the two really is because they both do the same thing during their end credits which is they essentially show you the real clips of things you've already seen the movie you just watched do when the disaster artist did it i thought that was the stupidest waste of time i've ever seen because it just showed and illuminated how pointless what the movie that i just watched was when i tanya did it i was surprised that even though something like The Disaster Artist did it and something like a lot of other biopics and such have done before, that that only added to my enjoyment of the movie because I realized well, just how l much it got right. Now, those were the actual scenes, though, at the end of Itania where we saw the recreations. At the I end agree. Of but um, I will say, here's the problem with The Disaster Artist. Well, there's a lot of problems, actually. Right. <laughs> All I'm saying is both end credits attempt to say, look how we how, how look how we got the details I right and yeah. i tanya that was more chilling and illuminating whereas mm -hmm. the disaster artist i was like wow big <laughs> big achievement because it it did nothing to enhance the, the issue viewing with of the it. disaster artist um and credit scenes there yeah. is that they were showing some things that we've already seen once which was sure. really 
what was the film? Uh, was it this year that showed the opening title twice? Uh, I can't remember what it was. Opening title twice. What? Like the title that? card? Yes. Uh, it was it was in 2016, I think. But it just like the idea of of repeating something throughout and thinking that you're like clever for doing it is never good. Yeah. So, no, I, I yeah. for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I only brought those two things up because I think they're similar in the sense that they both attempt to pick apart a subject, but James Franco has no interest in actually dealing with the subject. Where at least I think we all agree that I Tanya was able to present a slightly non not non by but um, dissectable version of Tanya Harding. Anyway, yep, very cool. good. Awesome. So, out there, if you have any thoughts on Itania, always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail dot com or iRobot. That works too. <laughs> Make Just... sure you watch it first <laughs> before yeah. Itania. You'll be lost. Yes, you'll yep. be uh, so confused. Or uh, send them on to us uh, by finding us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. So Kenny will be joining us hey. on our next episode. Uh, still no Tucson, but you know maybe sometime this year. <laughs> I will Ouch. say this right now: if Kenny, for whatever reason, backs out, which I'm not saying is like we're going to berate him like we did Tucson on the last episode. <laughs> no, well, no, I was going to say we will be canceling the episode <laughs> because I'm not talking about that movie unless Kenny is here. That's all that's, I'm saying. You know, that's actually um, the mark of of how much you. I'm saying know, Kenny's you, a new father, so he has valuable or uh, valid reasons to back out. Like if something happens, mm-hmm. but if he's not here, we're not talking about fucking hostiles. All right, well that's yeah, that's <laughs> something. Uh, so we saw all together. We went uh, myself, Nick, and uh, Kenny went and saw hostiles. Oh yeah. Because Kenny really wanted to go see it, and yeah. me and Nick couldn't figure out why. Um, <laughs> not because... I mean, I it was the most random reason, too. It was, too. That was great. Which is that he it actually went, made it better. Yeah, he went and picked up a book while he was on vacation, and then really wanted to watch a Western, and he's like, oh, yeah. look, a Western. And well, he's like... Oh, he, huh. he, he was reading a random Michael Crichton novel, which apparently was set... In a similar era, so and he so, was reading. He was basically reading Westworld. Westworld yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, okay, it was technically some archaeology. Yeah. So Jurassic thing. Park. It wasn't Jurassic Park <laughs> because his favorite movie is Jurassic Park. Okay. So that would have been weird if he was like. But anyway, but it was it was a Michael Crichton, Crichton property that was not Michael Jurassic Crichton. Park. Michael Crichton, not Jurassic Park, not Westworld, not ER. <laughs> but no, seriously, so, he was a showrunner. Yeah. So. Um, I'm going to bring this up and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to give you my reaction. Mm-hmm. I just want to, no, I'm talking to Anna. Sorry, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get Anna's reaction and, and see what she thinks about it. Okay. Um, and we'll be hitting on this on the episode and, and this is, this shouldn't be that big of a deal, but, uh, me and Nick both had the exact same reaction to it, uh, at the end of the film when this happened. Yeah. 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 So if you're watching a film. Uh, and the film ended, you would assume that potentially the name of the star would be the first thing you would see in the credits. Yeah. Or it's happened before. <laughs> okay. 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 Let me, let me, just, right. let me just, let me I'm going to let you say the just, whole thing. Yeah. I got okay. you. So, or the name of the film. Very, very common. Yes. Um, so what would you think? If the film ended, you got three seconds of saver time or so to, you know, suck in that amazing denouement that definitely, definitely happened with Hostiles. Okay. Uh, (laughs) um, And then the first thing you see uh, with no 
directed by, starring by, whatever, is just the director's name. That's all that's on the screen. I would be very confused. Yes! <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Absolutely. That sounds like... That doesn't... That sounds bad. Like, that sounds like someone fucked up when writing the credits. It sounds like somebody has a very high opinion of themselves. <laughs> yeah. And like I told Alex, like, yeah, if it's like Spielberg in his 90s and he just made a movie on a deathbed and, you know, and that happened in... I'm just saying, and it happened in that movie. Maybe a little more acceptable. Yeah, maybe. like, I'd be like... You son of a bitch. Uh, I don't always agree with your politics, but God damn it, do I respect um, like that? Okay, fine. But God, Scott Cooper, fucking uh, out, out of the out furnace, of furnace and black math, and, and now this fucking movie. Um, for you to put your name up with no other at the moment, uh, no other you know thing. Like, yeah, some people do cut to directed by, yeah. But just to put your name no on it as if it's that. a stamp is is really creepy. No, I, don't I like felt that. like it was, and it, I didn't like Out of the Furnace too much. It so wasn't that great. Yeah, it was Black Mass. So, but at any rate, this film ends and and like, thank uh, God. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, if Kenny shows up, or we'll, we'll do an episode next year. Uh, love it or hate we'll it. We'll do it on Nocturnal Animals instead. <laughs> love it or hate it. That's probably really random for anybody listening that has no knowledge that we're going to watch case that. You want, yeah. I was going to say, in case you want context, we're all yeah. watching that after this podcast yeah. for no real reason. Yeah, well, just because uh, we yeah. two of us haven't seen it. So cool. Hey. Guess which ones. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Thanks, buddy. So... <laughs> The film ends, and it has a very, I mean, it could have been better. It is a very standard Did it know. Yeah. Um, but I just, like, guffawed. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, when that happened. Because it was so ridiculous. I agree. I just, I can't even. Yeah. So. At least we expect it from somebody like Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah. And he just did his initials. So at least it was slightly, I would say, uh, subtle circle jerking. Like, it was just, and like Tucson pointed out, it had to do with fashion, kind of, or yeah. whatever. But, like, this is taking that to another step. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I don't even think you would say Scott Cooper is at least, like, as visionary as somebody like Nicholas Winding Refn. You might even like, if his I don't films like his more. film. Right. Yeah. But, like, he's not doing anything in his no. movies that is somehow distinct. No, this was just... It, first of all, the Nicholas Winding Refn uh, thing, uh, which this specific thing happened in, in Neon Demon, Neon Demon um, it at least fit with yeah. this film a little bit. Kinda... Where where this was just, like, so laughably out of place. It's like, You just oh, watched man. the white person defend Indians. Scott Cooper! <laughs> hey. Hey, that's fine. That was Christian Bale, all right. They yeah. were, hey, you know what? They have to get the best lighting people for these movies oh now because they God. are super afraid that he's um, going to flip out. So, yeah. and I yeah. think you know it's funny that you, you say think that. Iwart exploded. I'm telling you, man. During that, you can't watch the... you can't watch his films without noticing it now because it's just sure. like it's just like a tumor growing there. It's just oh, I know, and he's had that forever, and he's like not getting that removed. No, because it's soon. like a Sidney Crawford mark. Like, yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. but isn't it funny? It was like she that. It was me. like the Terminator thing happened with the lights and then that was like smack dab in the middle of the batman movies and then he finished those and then ever since then it's just kind of like i'm not interested in really seeing christian bale movies that much anymore and he was my favorite for the longest time i can't well, he's him. he's he can do him. things that i like like i husband. do like him oh congratulations 
Um, I, I did like him in things like the fighter and such, but in general, oh, the fighter. Sorry, I forgot about that. Well, like, but in general, if he's giving a what I would call just a normal decent performance, I can't stand him as just a regular actor. I just yeah, yeah. see, yeah. like it's yeah, just, we'll see. He's I, gonna be playing uh, Dick Cheney in that movie. Oh my god, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. And I am very With, on board for Sam think, Rockwell. Sam Rockwell playing uh, W. Yeah. Oh my gosh, are you guys so ready to see the fictionalization of Cheney shooting that guy in the face? I'm so here for that. If, you, if you've seen the photos of Christian Bale when he showed up at places, it's like shocking. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. like I know. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. And everyone's a, like, damn, why does Christian look like shit? Oh, it's for a movie. It's a, it, it's a little uncomfortable how much he looks like Dick Cheney. It's, I know. It's weird, <laughs> right? Are you saying Nick Cheney? Or... <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we'll be talking about hostiles perhaps on our next episode. Uh, thank you very much, as always, to Annabelle Dozado for, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me again. I love coming here. We thank enjoyed you, your Turner. 45 Welcome. coughs. It was awesome. I'm so sorry. No, no, you're good. <laughs> it's that season, so it's all yeah, good. So. Uh, so, from Anna and from Nick Cheney Eight. and myself, Alex Diegman, thank you very much for catching up with us at Film Tank. We'll be catching up with you next time. <laughs>